your home for spookiness. My name's Nathan, your ah-ah-ah host. <laughs> My name's Andy, your most newly married host. And I'm Pat, your Patrick Bateman host. Andy, once again, what? completely ignoring the premise of the joke. That's Excellent. right. <laughs> you didn't use, we're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. You didn't. I already had mine. I, I feel good about my... Uh-uh. I don't know what either of you are even referencing. Well, good lord, no. Have you seen Jaws? <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get into in a little Today's bit. Today's subject. But before we get to that, how was your guys' weeks? I had to say I had... Uh, I think certainly since the last time we recorded, I went to a friend's wedding and it was delightful. It was it was very good. I had a good time. Was that before or after my wedding? Oh no, it was a different. It was, <laughs> it was my friend. It was my friend yeah. Pete. He did, had a really good uh, wedding. No, Andy, you got married. Yeah, yeah. We're we're statistically much more married. Yes, of a we podcast. doubled our our. Two yeah. thirds of us are now married. Yeah, now now you and I can gang up on Pat in certain conversations. I don't. Sure, we're not married to each other, Nathan. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're 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 right. Since the last time that we talked, there was a big giant event with all of our friends and family where Caitlin and I got married to each other, and then had a big party, and it was a lot of fun. It was yeah, it was successful. We are successfully married, and then we went oh, and spent you... like a, a a few days in in Hocking Hills. kind of getting away from it like there's not even any cell reception there's nothing you just sort of put your phone leave your phone in the car and hang out in the cabin and it was great uh we we also floated in some inner tubes down the uh, i think the mad river um had a good time and then came back and went back to work i feel like you really missed a huge opportunity um because Horror stories are so hard to do in the modern age with cell mm-hmm. phones and stuff. Like you, you didn't get ambushed in the woods by a serial killer. Um, that would have been, really been the time to like have have had the like horror movie experience of your life. With yeah, you could have done the whole Evil Dead. Right. Thing. So if that was something that I was looking for, then that would be a huge disappointment. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> But it's such it's such a contrivance that like if they're gonna do a modern horror, they have to say like, oh, all of our cell phones ran out of battery, or we're out in the countryside where there's no reception. Like there has to be some kind of contrivance in order to get all the cell phones out of the picture, right. because you don't really have much of a horror I feel movie, like... <laughs> or the police are corrupt. Or I feel something. like Pat's really trying to get trying to lump He's us all. He's trying to our, jump our, the our, gun. our week is just all of our about our weeks is just going to be the wedding, <laughs> and he wants to get to is something that he wants to talk about. I feel like right. He hasn't <laughs> mentioned his mom once yet. It's not <laughs> we haven't had. Uh, how was your uh, week yet? How was your mom's week, Pat? <laughs> uh, she's fine. She might have gotten exposed to COVID, so we're not meeting oh. up this week. Oh. Um, the lady that she walks with every week got covid and like they keep social distanced and masked while they Good do that but um all the same sh- just for for you know my safety which i appreciate even though it's probably more concern that is necessary 
because I'm fully vaxxed and like I also just kind of don't care. <laughs> um, but she, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stay quarantined from each other for like you know the 14 days yeah. that's recommended. But she hasn't gotten sick or anything. So. What are you gonna do with yourself? Um, but also like besides going to a wedding, which was mm-hmm. a blast, and thank you for having us. Because that was that was a great time. It really was, Andy. I'm very glad to hear um, that. I also got heat stroke oh. at work last week, which was kind of a bummer. It was I just think really most doctors hot. Doctors recommend against that. Yeah, the trucks are are really hot, so it's like 93. It's been like 93 degrees out, and it's like probably a good like 10 degrees hotter in the trucks than it is in, everywhere else. And like, I don't really have a good way to cool down. So like that was on Friday. And then on Saturday I went and actually like went to a discount drug mart and just like walked around the aisles for half an hour because it was so freaking hot. And like, it was nice and air conditioned (laughs) in the discount drug mart. Um, but really like it's, you know, it's about not overexerting yourself in the heat, drinking lots of water. I have been drinking a ton, but I guess I need to drink more, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I started getting like muscle spasms and like lightness of head <laughs> and stuff and like, I would woozy. also argue that maybe um, what you should do is work for a company that provides you a work environment that isn't 103 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like a lot of this seems out of your control and more to do with the way your company treats you than what you can do to negate that problem. Well, realistically, like, I mean, I could keep, like, cold drinks on me and stuff, but, like, how much can they do? Because, like, even if the air conditioner, like, worked really well in the truck, it's, like, a big open space. Like, they can't cool that whole truck effectively at all. I, I don't disagree. It's but, but it's not yeah. my responsibility to make that happen. That's that's their responsibility to make sure that their drivers don't suffer heat stroke. Like this, yeah. Like I feel Short, like that's a pretty shifts or right. That it seems like a pretty reasonable <laughs> reasonable bar to hit. Like just make sure your workers don't pass out or have a heat stroke. Is it a heat stroke? Is it just yeah. heat stroke? I don't really know the parlance. It's heat stroke. I think it's I think it's yeah. just heat stroke. Yeah, heat stroke. Ooh, that sounds, is that sounds an like elevated... a good name. I was just gonna say heat stroke sounds like a great name for a horror movie. Huh. Yeah, he, uh, heat yeah, stroke for sure. is an elevated form of heat exhaustion, and one of the most like telltale signs of heat stroke is that you actually stop sweating. You're so hot that your body stops sweating, which Fun. sweating itself is like. One of the most profound cooling mechanisms that ever, like, mutated in natural selection and is one of the reasons why human bipeds, you know, less hairy but but with sweat bipeds, uh, they stood out as hunters is because the the sweating uh, helped them cool themselves more efficiently and let them be more effective um, persistence hunters where they just can wear down their prey. Uh, Stopping sweating is a very scary thing, and if you you experience that, you need to get into cool or shade, uh, dab your your forehead, your your back of your neck. And I say this because, you know, with with climate change, this is going to be a much more common problem. 
and you know cool down kind of slowly try not to shock your body too much um, because you can cause your body you can cause yourself to go into shock um, but just lay down somewhere cool and shaded and and slowly cool down drink some water well I didn't I didn't experience stopping sweating but that's um, not always a symptom but it's one of the easiest to notice. I definitely felt like taking a nap in like somebody's yard, mm-hmm. and I mean maybe not in someone's yard, but but and maybe not actually falling asleep taking a nap, but but laying down and and stopping your exercise for sure is the right thing to do. I I don't mean to badmouth major shipping company here, but you know I think they've shown over the last year or so that they don't particularly give a shit about you as a person just (laughs) they give a shit about you as a cog in their machine which gets boxes taken from this place to this other place and that frustrates me um yeah that's pretty accurate i would say so but also it's not a it's not the major he he doesn't work directly like for the a major shipping company he he works for a a private like a a small business owner who operates yeah, like a, a contractor, trucks, like, like a small business owner. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like sort of which a franchise 20, sort of situation. Man team. I think. Right, which that major shipping company specifically set up that business model so that they could mm. negate their losses and not be sued directly for situations exactly I mean, yeah, like this. Obviously. Yeah. Having said that, I I don't like billionaires. Don't like big companies. I don't trust them. And I think this this is sort of one of the reasons why. I'm sure when you went to your boss and said, hey, I suffered heat stroke, he was like, we're going to get that taken care of right away. We, we <laughs> think that your safety is priority number one here at Big Shipping Company. So, um, No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even tell him, but like he, <laughs> he doesn't really care. Uh, exactly. So that, that frustrates me. Um, I think other than we were talking about ahead of time, I have always worked with like crappy computers in the past. I normally buy the last several computers I've bought have been from a police auction website I know of, and I've just gotten pretty lucky and my nice. <laughs> my computer that lasted me all through COVID uh, cost me a couple hundred, maybe two fifty, two hundred sixty dollars a couple of years ago, and it's gotten me through this, and it has allowed me to sort of like stumble along to uh, learn how to and edit our podcasts. But uh, the headphone jack on it stopped working a while back, and now the keyboard has stopped working. And now I can no longer shut it. So I ordered a new uh, police auction website computer, and we'll see what happens with that one. So it should be here in a couple of weeks, and we'll see what happens. But I'm sort of excited about that. I know. You told me. It's a neural net processor. It thinks and learns like we do. It's super conducting at room temperature. Other computers are just pocket calculators by comparison. I mean, excited in the sense of, like, when you're at a casino and you have, like, two hearts. Right. But the flop there's... was all black. <laughs> but, you, but there's still two more cards that might flip over and one That's... of them or two, you know. That's pretty know. accurate. I am 
cautiously optimistic because the like thing is when I'll you buy a computer <laughs> when you when you buy a computer from a police auction website and it doesn't work they don't give a shit. <laughs> like there's no warranty there's no nothing either it works or it doesn't and like maybe i can repair it and maybe i can't so we'll see how that goes nice so but anyway i'm very optimistic listeners we'll follow up with you on this soon <laughs> yes. <laughs> if if there are no more episodes in the feed eventually, you just know my computer didn't work. <laughs> so I mean, fine. at some point I could step in and put them up. But uh <laughs> yeah. But I think what we we really learned this week is that man was the real monster all along. We're talking about horror, guys. Yeah, that it's it's the spooky scary episode. That actually is the uh, the like lesson learned at the end of a lot of horror movies. It seems is like that like yeah there was a monster but like man it was way worse what the humans did to each other. <laughs> it's right. it's like when um, people so stopped like, watching the Walking Dead show because they realized hey they aren't just killing zombies every week. There's actually interactions between the people. That's not what I signed up for. Like, uh, <laughs> no. Um, is that why? I think worth, like, just getting out of the way right up front is uh, that the the best horror uh, of all time is the character horror in The Page Master. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, the Page Master. I'm also not familiar with this time. property which you have brought up. Oh, my God, it's... Is with Christopher Lloyd and um, Macaulay Culkin, and I've seen gets, posters like, for it. I just he's never watched it. in a library. Oh my! If you have never watched it, you should watch it. It's like weird, but really good. He's like he gets trapped in a library and hallucinates, and uh, that he's in like all these different stories. Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Whoopi Goldberg, uh, and a couple other people that I can't think of now, but yeah. And it's um, animated, right? It is partially animated, yeah. Partially animated. I'm partially interested. And why is this Why is this horror at all? It, the movie isn't horror. The movie is just sort of like, I guess, fantasy. But, I'm guessing um, or, or that fiction. from, from context but, clues, if, so, I, if I might uh, try and I guess, guess. Yeah, spoilers aren't really relevant since it's probably 20, 30 years old. But. <laughs> right. It's probably that <laughs> different genres of literature are anthropomorphized by different characters, and there is a character named horror that is supposed to represent yeah. horror books, if I uh, am guessing Yeah, correctly. basically. So Macaulay Culkin gets like trapped in the library and bonks his head and imagines that he's transported into this like land where he's escorted by three yeah, um, anthropomorphized books. They are, they are book people. They're made out of book. Mm-hmm. One is uh, adventure, one is horror, and one is fantasy. Um, and they and he has to like travel through those, you know, sections of the library slash those like worlds in his fantasy, and like escape from like Mister Hyde and like uh, Captain Ahab and so um, and slay a dragon. So you know he has to do these things. Um, and then he regains consciousness. Huh. And right. uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic movie. It's really a lot of fun. It's well done. I've seen it as a, an adult again. And, like, I mean, it's not 
it's not quite as good as something like uh, like Avatar, but it is. It's it does hold up really well. <laughs> like Avatar is one of those okay. things, not the m- movie with the stupid blue aliens, but like the the Airbender and, and oh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Like that's one of those things that, like for for an adult watching it, it is still really good and almost God, doesn't feel like a kids show at all. This episode is about horror, and we have just managed to spend. Five minutes not talking about horror and going down some <laughs> sort of path that does not take us. Oh, it turns out that Andy was the real monster all along. Mr. Weatherby, this ghost really doesn't need any introduction. As soon as we clean him up, I'm sure you'll recognize him. There. Look familiar? <gasps> Uncle Stewart. Like in person. So we... So we just finished talking about the Page Master. We are done talking about the Page Master. <laughs> I don't know why you guys let me talk so much about I'm just that. Gonna... Are we supposed to stop you? That sounded like a Bill Cosby impression. You, were, you, you, you like, well, so for example, Nathan, like, by guessing at like kind of the plot, like yeah, I had to confirm. No, you that. didn't, because because I was because I was <laughs> yeah, physically I strangling an imaginary Andy in front of me while I was saying that's, that. That's appropriate for <laughs> yeah, that's appropriate for a horror episode. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? I'm sure this is going to devolve into whatever uh, whatever Leprechaun movie was Pat's favorite at some point. But for now, can we just talk about why are people into horror movies? I think between us, I don't want to put words into anybody's mouth, but I enjoy a good horror movie from time to time. Pat enjoys them more than that, and Andy enjoys them significantly less than that. Would you say that's accurate, everybody? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I have no idea how much you guys enjoy it, but for for my part, that, that that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So. The the thing that I think that drives people is like it's exciting in the same way that like a roller coaster makes you feel like um like oh this is fun but also yeah. like I'm being tricked into thinking that I could die even though I'm perfectly safe. You know, you're perfectly that's safe. That sort of that sort of like safe adrenaline. Yeah, exactly. You you work up that central nervous system that like flight or fight system. And, um, like, it's a departure from the ordinary. You know, if your ordinary job or your ordinary life or doing chores around your house, like, you're not getting that adrenaline rush. Um, Like, a horror movie can put you into that fight-or-flight state in, like, a safe, like, sort of sanitized way. Like, you're not going to die while you're at the horror movies, like, probably. Yeah, I might die of a heat stroke. I have a nice tight ass. I in, like I don't know why, but sometimes <laughs> this is this is the thing about me is I don't have horror movie calluses. You know, like they still affect me every time I watch them. And let's say the good ones do at at their at mm-hmm. the best uh, that they can do. Uh, if I'm watching an excellent horror movie, I still get like really anxious and I like. Want want to see the jump scare, and I want to know like what what's going on, and I want to like be scared of the alien or whatever. And I I love that. I I love roller coasters, and it's weird that you brought that up because I've always put roller coasters and horror movies in the same sort of genre of entertainment for myself. Mm-hmm. Like thrills. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. Because you you know your safety is essentially guaranteed on both. Not that there can't be an accident at the amusement park, and not that you can't accidentally watch the ring and then die seven days later. You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Or whatever. I never really saw that movie, so. <laughs> but from, but from completely unrelated circumstances, right, right. sure. Yeah. I, mean, um, I like roller coasters. <laughs> I hate roller coasters. I am a big <laughs> when it comes to roller coasters. How like, funny is that? That feeling, <laughs> the, that feeling of your stomach flying up into your oh, lungs, I love it. Like, ugh, I just, I yeah, can't, dude, I can't, I'm down, I'm, I, I can't do I like it. that. Um, that's so funny that, that we're flipped on this thing that we're saying, like, oh, they're so similar, it's the same thing, but, yeah, and yet, the one of us who, you know, we, we're so split on them. So, I can say, so, my big embarrassing horror movie, I, I have a couple of them, but I think the one that I'm most embarrassed by is, I watched, what, what was it? And it wasn't even a good one. I so I I specifically love zombie movies. I really love zombie movies and mm-hmm. like every every different like flavor of zombie movie. I really love. Although fast zombies are not my favorite, and we can get into that later. But um, there was a particular zombie movie. I believe it was Dawn of the Dead, the remake. And I was in a very specific like frame of mind when I saw it, and it terrified me. I'm not saying it's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. What I am saying is that after I watched it, I slept with a screwdriver next to my bed for like a month because I woke up one night and I was like, I don't have anything in this room that can pierce a human skull. And then I went to get a a screwdriver. And he uh, had a knife in his chest. Yeah, and a screwdriver in his ear. Plant head or smoke's head. So that's my most embarrassing horror movie. Oh, like the tool. Not, not the drink. Yes, not the drink. Uh, that that can pierce a human skull just in a very different way. <laughs> so when my embarrassing horror movie story is when I was very young, my sister loved horror movies, and I was pretty new to horror movies. Like she had watched a bunch before me, and like this was when I was like really super young. So like Gremlins was still like like kind of yeah. scary, like also kind of funny. But, like, you know, it was legitimately, like, a little bit of a scary movie. And um, I saw the movie Critters. Yeah. And I don't know if I don't know if you've ever seen Critters, but it is a much more intense experience than <laughs> Gremlins. Like, it's it's got some comedy elements, but the comedy elements are very light. Like, it's it's about these little fur balls. They kind of look like hedgehogs with just, like, way bigger jaws. And... They'll, like, jump into your mouth and, like, shoot quills out and, like, eat you from the inside. Like, they're horrifying little alien creatures, but they're not very big. They're only, like, you know, under the size of a basketball. Critters. (laughs) They bite. Right, but it's clear that the producers of this movie were saying, uh, gremlins are really hot right now. What can we do that's similar to that? (laughs) Yeah, and then it had, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, which my sister was, like, obsessed with, so she, like, had to watch this movie. Um, so we watched it, and I... <laughs> it turns out, when you ask what's eating Gilbert Grape, it turns out Critters. Yeah, Critters was eating him. 
Um, but it does it, it if you watch it as an adult, like it does have s- still a lot of the same comedy elements. Like um, the one of the critters gets like shot with a shotgun, and then the other one like looks over and says Fuck. <laughs> in like alien language with subtitles. Like it's got some comedy elements, but um, you know it was not funny to me when I was no. a little kid. So um, I watched that movie and was terrified. And we had, like, a split bunk. I was, like, up on my uh, second bunk. And my sister took a brown, like, bath loofah. (laughs) And she threw it up on the second bunk where I was and said, Patrick, it's a critter. And I freaked the f*** out. And, like, jumped off of the bunk bed. Did you hurt yourself? Wait, was this the sister that's been on the podcast, Katie? Uh, This is is Laura, my older sister. Oh. Uh, The one with two... Two baby nephews. I feel like uh, we should get she... her side of the story on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that she's going to tell it very differently. For but, the sake of um, the bullying podcast, I mean... just as a reflection, you know, tie <laughs> right. it all together. It was... <laughs> oh, I mean, she's got plenty of stories of, oh. like, bad stuff that I've done to her. Oh, man. I've got we, some were, good... we fought we, a lot. As that kids. might be a fun, uh, we should all have our siblings on and tell embarrassing stories about <laughs> each other for an episode. Anyway. Um, but that's my embarrassing story. Uh, I don't know if you have one, Andy. To I don't share. know exactly what you mean by embarrassing. Oh well, we just gave you two very um, specific examples of it. Like, well, I mean, I mean, if you don't have one, <laughs> that's totally if you fine. Don't, that's what fine. I, we let can, me rephrase. We can move let on. me rephrase. There's, I don't. There's not really one that I would say is embarrassing because I'm not embarrassed about anything. But there is definitely a movie that. Um, messed me up in my childhood and scared the crap out of me and is basically the reason why or one of the main reasons why I don't like horror movies. The Care Bears movie brings someone you care about. And that's Poltergeist. That movie like I still have I have nightmares about the nightmares I had as a kid. Not often but like it pops up and like still sh- oh. sends shivers down my spine when I picture Poltergeist was the nightmares I had as a result of that movie. There is there is no shame to be had at like being right, terrified. That's the thing. Like, I'm not ashamed of it or embarrassed by this. It's just but like but yeah, it's it it continues to like affect me in a very 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 minor way. But like absolutely no, I think that movie specifically, if it had hit at a at the wrong time in my childhood definitely would have left some scars i i totally get that mm-hmm. so it's probably been like two and a half decades but can you remind me like what was the thing with poltergeist it was like the tv so and she's like they're coming or they're here or something yeah i mean so the there it, it's they built uh, a house on an old indian graveyard which but you don't find <laughs> that out until the end right 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 which and is it, like, it turns out that all... they moved the headstones but not the bodies but there's this poltergeisting and like it's the house becomes haunted by spirits plural presumably it seems yeah there's this whole there's this one classic scene where so back then back in like the 80s or whatever at i think like 11 or 12 o'clock or something like that the the tv just was there was no more signal no more t they didn't air tv 24 hours a day it just was snowy static after a certain time right you 
you got at the end of the day you got uh the national anthem and then it just went to yeah. snow for 12 hours right, or eight right. hours or whatever right and so then uh and so there's this classic scene of the girl from the from the movie sitting there in front of the snowy tv and like she just creepily like in the sing-song voice and we'll use the clip here rather than me doing it but it's like she goes and it's fucking spooky when it turns out that they've been talking to her yeah they like the the thing that pulled her yeah no poltergeist was just terrifying it it was problematic for like racist reasons too uh specifically having to do with that like burial ground and stuff like that but yeah it's it's a really freaky movie um yeah and so I, I, i totally get that I think it also kind of gets a little bit of credit for being like, here's why you should pay more respect to native like or maybe not here's why, but sure like, it's it's sort fine. Of a, it, it was definitely oh, not woke, but it was no, fine, I guess. But it was what was it in the eighties, eighty two, eighty three, something like that. Sure, for the for the time, time it came out, it was still not good it's it's still fine. not woke no but right. but no but it yeah uh, certainly terrifying fine no that's good at least you went out on a a good <laughs> like if you said <laughs> like i will never watch another horror movie again because of killer clowns from outer space i've been like all right <laughs> fine i guess no. and, and i agree watched poltergeist and like it's fine you know i can watch it and i, I obviously have, i have watched other horror movies since then but like Ooh, boy, did that one set me on a certain course. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you so, joke yeah, about I Killer think... Clowns from Outer Space, but clear, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, like... It was still scary as hell. It had some legit gore. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. You see that? Something... Different. There's no shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? Well, and so, all right. I like. I think we've kind of answered the question, but like, people are into people who are into horror generally are into horror for that sort of like that jump, that spark, that adrenaline, that like. Feeling, feeling something. If, if art is supposed to make you feel something, then horror definitely gets the job done most of the time. So, and, and we're kind of dancing around a couple like key elements of horror, and these two that I really want to like kind of zero in on for just a quick second. That you're you're naming one, which is the um, the the jump scare, the the surprise, the shock, sure. the um, oh, there, you know, there's a dark alley and a, something leaps out from it or, um, you know, you pan away from the mirror and pan back and now suddenly there's a monster behind you in the mirror. Like, that is, um, that is a, one of these two. The other one is the gore that Pat's alluded sure. to a couple times. The, the, the gross you out stuff, the missing limbs and, um, dogs mutating into, like, weird alien monsters and um and and 
sort of stuff blowing up. That's a little bit. That's sort of like tangential, yeah, that, but that's like an um, action trope as much as it is anything else. Slimy and stuff. But you right. you brought it and up the, yourself. The sliming like, and the go, the, the guts. The, the, those are what I would say are two necessary but insufficient conditions. Right. For but you mentioned it yourself. Me. You take Poltergeist. That movie. I'm not saying there are no jump scares, and I'm not saying there are no like big explosions or whatever. But that was a movie built on suspense. Like you're not you're not yes. terrified of a little girl turning around and saying they're here because there's a jump scare. You're terrified because of what oh, does that mean? Because of what might fucking happen. Yeah, you have no idea what might happen. Exactly, and, what, and that's yeah, what good horror does. Um, the, the reason why oh I've been sort of like hedging my bets a little bit when I've been talking is because I. I feel like I can safely say this. Out of any genre, there is more horror movies out there than any other genre of movie. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty self-evident. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about grave robbers from outer space? If I can amend, like, previous, my, my, my stance, I guess, I wouldn't say that I dislike horror. It's just that I'm picky about my horror. Sure. Um, you should I, be. I am a, I, I love Hitchcock. The, he's sure. the master of suspense. suspense. And I got to tell you, Pat, in the discord conversation, leaving, you know, leading up, um, the movie birds mm-hmm. came up. And while I don't, I mean, I think it's a, um, I understand why a lot of people don't really like it as a horror movie. It, it, almost, it kind of feels like a dud, but to me, it's like, in, in a sense, it's at least artistically, it's trying to be like the ultimate suspense. It is you. It is just a whole movie of there's way too many birds here. Why are there so many birds here? What's going on? And that's just the whole movie. Who that's thinks it. the birds <laughs> is not a good movie? The birds is an amazing movie. And what's more, the birds is a zombie movie. I I will take that to the grave in terms of. What they're hmm. can you elaborate on that? It's a zombie movie in that what it's trying to accomplish is these interactions. So you have this suspense all the time. You have this thing that is happening outside sure. that is going to kill you no matter what. And how does that affect the people that you choose to associate with yourself and you choose to survive with and how you're going to to do those things? I think it's a zombie movie in that. You could replace the birds with zombies and get a very similar feel to that movie. The the birds so the I birds was, are scarier. Worried, the birds are scary in some ways because they fly. They're a little more like they have okay. a little they have a little more agility to them in the way they can attack you. But they are essentially if we are talking about the type of movie, they are essentially doing the same thing that a zombie does in a zombie movie. So uh, it might have been like very groundbreaking for its time and for for you know when it came out i'm sure that alfred hitchcock was very forward thinking in the type of movie or the suspense or the scares that it had um to my like 80s 90s grown like sense of like special effects and gore and horror it was very tame. It just sure. like it didn't impress me. I didn't See, like, think it was scary by any degree. Um, it if, was just kind I, of lame. 
if I'm being honest, like the gore and the um, what was the other one? The 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 suspense. Gore and the jump scares. Jump scares. I don't even. I mean, I I I was kind of being generous when I even called them necessary conditions. I I think that they are um, generally commonly accepted tropes of of horror, but like I I don't know. I think you can make a perfect like I. I'm, they don't do to me. For me, those are not selling points. Those are detractors. The movie has to overcome and have a purpose for the gore. Otherwise, it's sure. annoying me. I think that's so, fair. Um, it, I want to I wanna pivot pur- pur- to like another important element is that making you care about the main characters yes. is the life and death of a horror movie if you have a horror movie where like everybody is expendable i don't care about any of these people (laughs) like oh those those two teenagers were supposed to be looking after the kid but instead they decided to go neck in the woods in the bathroom yeah go neck in the woods and so now they're getting stabbed and i don't care about them anymore like it it it's all about making me feel the same terror that the characters are feeling and you do that by getting me emotionally invested in the well-being of the characters (laughs) so can i tell you my my favorite strategy so i there are a bunch of different types of horror movies and we kind of talked about it or i kind of talked about it earlier one type of horror movie is the absolutely terrible horror movie or like the uh, the sci-fi channel movie that they had like a two hundred thousand dollar budget to make like CGI monsters, so they mm-hmm. like the just right. So they went and hired like Aaron's... This script was created <laughs> by. A... I have a strategy for those terrible <laughs> movies because I still enjoy them to a certain extent. They do not evoke that same sort of like ah, like that same adrenaline boost or anything like that. But what I do with those movies is very simply, uh, if I don't care about any of the main characters, I just root for the monsters. And man, those movies get fun <laughs> real quick. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> That's fun. If the main character is hiding in a closet and you are hoping to God that the monster breaks down the door and bites their head off, that scene just got way better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just just a strategy. Um, yeah, okay. Take it if you will. So a modern a modern movie that does this brilliantly is one that I saw recently, um, Hereditary. I only caught it uh, this year. Um, it's like pretty new. I think it's like from last year. Um, it starts out as like a family drama, and like it revolves around this family, like uh, a mom, a dad, a son, and a daughter, and their grandmother had just recently passed away, and. Um, the way that they get you like woven into these characters' lives, like you spend a lot of time in their shoes. They talk about grief and like the the feelings of like, well, shouldn't we be sadder? Because they had like this estranged grandmother. Like uh, the the strange feeling of um, you know, feeling like you ought to be sadder than you are or um you know talking about grief and loss and stuff um it really puts you like front and center rooting for these characters and uh, another thing that like 
really gets me where I live is um, like people going crazy, people losing their minds, mm-hmm. um, hmm. no longer being able to trust that... your narrator as being like a yeah. rel- a reliable narrator, um, or mm. or like you know putting you point of view from the character and not really being able to trust your senses or not really being able to trust the things that you see as real. Um, that sort of like psychological horror um, is scarier to me than like, you know, a monster that'll jump out of the sewer and eat me. So if I think related to yeah. that, it, it, so Nathan loves an unreliable narrator. I've been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. We're very, very pissed off. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, and sort of like related to that, um, and talking, uh, just stepping back for a second. Sure, you can you can like the birds or not like the birds or whatever, but Psycho is one of the best crafted horror movies Ooh, yeah. of all time. And I have a lot of respect for Psycho. Psycho is it's all about the suspense and it like throws stuff at you that you it's so synonymous with horror now or scary movies or however you want to frame it that pretty much everybody knows the twist but like you if you're watching that and when i when i first saw it my dad sort of showed me that movie before i should have seen that movie for sure and he didn't tell me anything about it nothing and so when the when the twist comes, like my little I'm I, I'm like I think eight you or, can right I, I'm like eight or ten or whatever. What is it like fifty years old now or something? <laughs> um, at least no, but I like if if people want to watch it, they should watch it. But uh, the thing is, it, it blew my little mind, and but in a good way because like there are definitely some there's some violence in that movie. But the way Hitchcock framed it, you watch the blood travel down the drain. You don't watch someone get stabbed yeah, to death. You don't need to see the murder. You don't need to see the people lose their arms. You don't need to see the their their guts spilling out. But, like, I, but there's, there's no, no but need there's, for it. It's not relevant. It's not important. It doesn't add anything to the story. I need to see that. Yeah, no, I think... I mean, I would say that... It, in a lot of ways, you're you're just incorrect about that. I think there are a lot of people who do do, do want to see that stuff. I think you're absolutely you're absolutely wow, right wow. in that it it doesn't necessarily add anything to the story, but there are definitely stories where it absolutely does add to the story. So like there there's some there are times, and one of the one of the best examples of that to me in in my view the the movies the ones that I've seen because again sort of a limited. Uh, selection, but one that um, I don't know if you're familiar with, The Brood, directed by David Cronenberg. Haven't seen it. No. What's oh it about? Oh my god, dude! You so without giving away too much, David Cronenberg is one of my favorite directors. He's the one who directed the Jeff Goldblum version of The Fly. Sure, yeah, okay. I'm, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, so you're familiar with his style. That is very his something that is very like a, a feature of David Cronenberg's style is this 
external manifestation of internal conflicts. So like um, <laughs> psychological stuff going on in their head sort of manifests itself physically on the outside okay. somehow. Yeah, it's called body transformation horror. And it's got that like sure. okay. sweaty, hairy, like animatronic, like 80s <laughs> look to it. Uh, that's I mean, called, to a certain like, extent. Cronenberg Chron- style. Never before have you faced anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I I guess it's named for him, um, which makes sense because he's f***ing master and... The Brood. I don't want to give away too much, but it is. <laughs> it's certainly in that mold. But, but what I would. But what I say is like there are jump scares. There are there are like gross out stuff, but it's not gratuitous. It's not extra. It is um, useful or important. And and part of that is because of that. You know that that theme that Cronenberg style is. There's a it is inherently very visual, okay. um, but it's just it's it's well used. It's not like I say, not gratuitous. So, but clearly, it can be a tool that, when used well, definitely right. adds to a narrative. Okay. Right. So, but yeah, what I'm saying is like when, I, but but in the example, what I'm saying like is with with Psycho, like we need oh, when we we just need to know that the you know that this person was stabbed to death. We don't need to watch right. it happen. But there's also like a maturation of the horror audience, right? So Alfred Hitchcock was addressing a very different America in the year that Psycho was released than like horror. 1960, by the way. Filmmakers. Yeah. T- maturation or desensitization. Desensitization. Well, you know, I mean, because I, I would say that a lot of that generally as a genre, it's gotten less sophisticated, less mature, and more jump well, scare sure, and But bore. you also have to take into consideration the sheer volume of horror that comes out now compared to the amount of horror that came out in the '60s, and like, so when so when you say when you say that like it's not necessary, like yeah, absolutely, you're right, like Psycho was able to be scary without it um but like i also well, think that there's to make the movie marketable there's there's an expectation today that like now we have great special effects now we have um like really good gore that we can show people like we can make it very effectively um and you know with cgi i guess that's gone that's been an up and down roller coaster right because like practical effects um, are kind of king with uh, like showing that sort of thing. Uh, even today, even though CGI is continually getting better, you look at like early 2000s CGI and you're like, ah, that doesn't really scare me anymore. Yeah. Um, but like, there's there's an expectation now that like, you know, if you are going to show gore, that it's going to meet a certain watermark. Whereas with Hitchcock, um, that expectation was not put on him in right, and I would say that right. I mean, I guess I, I would I I would say Go that ahead. 
the gore industry was being built up at that point. Like we, when you watch a new hope, you watch it with a different eyeballs than you do a modern sci-fi movie because they were mm-hmm. inventing the genre. And I do want to go back real quick and uh, talk about how nonsensical my argument that there are more horror movies now than there were back then because like plan nine from outer space or curse of the Bigfoot or brides of blood reptilicus troll, the sea serpent, like, you know, like there were a million horror movies movies that came up back then because again, they were cheap and they got like butts in the seats of, uh, for people who were coming to the movies. You know, John Carpenter's the thing is actually a a remake. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Uh Of a, an earlier, the thing movie, it was a similar premise of like, uh, scientists in an Antarctic, base but it it didn't have the same like transforming monster like body horror type of deal right so it had like kind of almost a zombie sort of Mm -hmm. creature it it had like a frankenstein's monster essentially and from my understanding it was a much less scary movie yeah uh i mean certainly it was more novelty (laughs) but we talk about like again to our modern eyes the blob the thing from the black lagoon i love dracula werewolf and some of those were genuinely good movies too and some of them were just popcorn like fun popcorn movies this is why like horror is a weird genre because i look at it through different eyes than i do a drama yeah there's I don't. Whole... I don't like to watch a bad drama. There's like the very few bad dramas I will ever put my eyeballs on. A bad horror movie, though, yeah. if I have an hour and a half to kill, no problem watching that. Right. Like there's this whole entire subgenre about the same size as uh, as like the legitimate horror genre of just of of horror movies that are just too bad to really even consider horror movies. They're really just comedies, but they right. didn't mean to be. Yeah, like, B-movies. Yeah, I mean, the Mystery Science Theater 3000-whatever exactly. show, the, you know, those movies. Which, I mean, are absolutely, they're a blast, they're a great, they're a fun family treat, you know. You have a good larf, you have a couple uh, bags of popcorn, and, uh, you know. You guys familiar with uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Absolutely. That was, yeah, I was yeah. going to drop that one I later. I have actually seen it, but, but I'm it, Attack of the it. Killer Tomatoes was... A fantastic movie, not a good movie, but fantastic. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, mash you, chew you up for brunch, and finish you off for dinner or lunch. Man, I can't I mean, even say yeah. anything about it because I probably haven't seen it in like 30 Ooh. years. Like it's been such a long we, time since I've we'll, seen it. We'll release a, a live watch episode of the pod where the three of us get together <laughs> and watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> I think I do have I, I do mean, have a very important question to ask you, Pat. Uh, yeah. What's in 1988, that? did you uh, find yourself going back and watching Critters Two? Uh, in nineteen in nineteen eighty eight, I was two. So is that a yes <laughs> or a no? I think I saw it much after its release from a blockbuster, but I I think I did see. But Critters you did watch too. it. That's the one where they're in space, right? I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> uh, from what I can tell, uh, 
it, the tagline for the movie is "Get ready for seconds, they're back," and uh, it's called Critters Two: The Main Course. So I don't really have a lot <laughs> other than that to go on. I'm pretty confident that I've seen all the Critters movies that they've made. See, so that's a weird type of bravery. <laughs> like this, this movie that terrified you, you still went back and watched more. You went, you went back for more, which is great. Uh, mostly because my sister wanted to watch all of them, and it's kind of what was on. <laughs> um, but th- it, it was actually the third one that was in outer space. Ooh, I have another embarrassing horror movie moment, and. Uh, I think we were talking about uh, the Amityville horror yesterday yeah. on the Discord. And so I had a group of friends, like early 2000s, when I first moved back to um, Cleveland. And we would get together and we'd play uh, Halo 2, like once a week, and have a good time. And I went over, we'd play really late. We wouldn't start until like 11 at night, and we'd play till 2 or 3 in the morning. And I went over, mm-hmm. it's a... It's like I get there at like almost midnight, and it turns out that one of our buddies can't play, and unless we have enough people, we generally don't play. We'll put on a movie or something. And so everybody decides we're just going to put on a movie. I'm fine with that. And then uh, the Amityville horror comes on, and I'm like, well, yawn. Ugh. It's like, guys, I'm going to get going after I'd been there for like <laughs> – About time for bed. For I, for, I'd been there for like 15 <laughs> minutes. I started watching it, and like something creeped me out, and I was like – it's really late. If this is the last thing I watch before I go to bed, I'm not going to go to sleep. And so I just left the house and uh, like I thought I was being subtle, but definitely people knew that like Nathan was scared of the big bad movie and had to go home because of it. <laughs> so um, Amityville Horror is very near and dear to me because like it is very much a movie about a house. Uh-huh. I'm Bob Vila. Welcome to this old house. Like, it's it's a haunted house movie. And when we, like, had first started watching it, it was right when we had moved into a new house. Okay. And, like, I lived in the creepy, like, leaking basement. Like, my room was down in the basement, like, right by where we watched it. And uh, it's it made me convinced that the house that we had moved into had spirits in it. <laughs> like... <laughs> And it wasn't like a, a like a unenjoyable feeling like this. I had really kind of gotten my horror legs at that point, um, so like I liked that like creeped out feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean they they weren't good horror movies. They were okay, but like they really had this quality of you know creepiness and. I, I was exposed to them, like, at a young age, and so, like, I really thought that they were pretty great. So, one of, um, I, I've never seen Amity whatever, Bill. 28 days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house, they were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget, and you will believe in the Amityville horror. Yeah, never seen it. But one of uh, my all-time favorite, one, I mean, I don't know, maybe not top ten movies, but like certainly one on my all-time favorite movie list is a movie, The Haunting. 
So The Haunting is this movie, and it's it's a black and white horror movie. You know, it's an older one. So basically, these this group of people get together at this house to investigate, you know, sightings or, or creepy concerns, right? So um, pretty classic premise. Um, the weird thing about the movie is you're never quite sure if the house is alive and killing people or if one of the people is insane and like, you know, split personality and killing people. (laughs) It wasn't me. It was the house. There's a 1963 Uh, one and a 1999 one. So you're talking about the 1963 one. Yeah, 63. Yeah, oh my god, this movie... And again, like, you know, there's there's definitely some jump scares. There's not really any gore, uh, um, but there's, you know, there's deaths, there's murders, but think like in, in that, in Alfred Hitchcock Psycho kind of thing, where it's sort of left to your imagination sure. for the most part, which I think is infinitely scarier, personally. Well, but but it's so much of this suspense. You don't know what's going on through the entire movie. It's just really, really well done. Yeah. So so the great thing about Amityville is, um, like, this couple, they buy a new house, and they understand that there was, like, a bunch of axe murders that took place already in this house. But they, like, you know, it's a cute house, it's affordable, it's in their price range, they go for right. it. They because, move in. because it's a murder house, they get a really good deal on it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and then, like, you know, it slowly comes out that, like, this house is, like, possessed by Satan. Could it be Satan? And, like, there's a priest that, like, tries to come and, like, exercise the house. And, like, he gets scared away by a bunch of flies. A room full of a bunch of flies. <laughs> and um, the really great thing about Amityville is... It takes something that is familiar and comfortable, your house that you live in and the, the your family, like the people that you know and you trust and you love, and it corrupts them and turns that comforting relationship into something subversive and dangerous. And that's what I think it did really well like it wasn't scary that the house was evil it was scary that a member of your family is like turning into a satanic like psychopath right yeah uh, so you know what and and that kind of brings up like the the supernatural stuff Mm -hmm. which i think is an important element of a lot of horror but not you know all horror um the way that you were describing Amityville horror, like with a few, a couple little minor tweaks, it could be you could be describing Jumanji. You think monkeys, mosquitoes, and lions are bad? That's just the beginning. I've seen things you've only seen in your nightmares, things you can't even imagine, things you can't even see. There are things that hunt you. In the night, then something screams. Then you hear them eating. And you hope to God that you're not deserted. Afraid? You don't even know what afraid is. (laughs) So, I'm sure that 
people who like that sort of stuff love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about a a few classic. There, there's a couple of things I wanted to hit. So first of all, the horror genre it's interesting because uh, sort of like comic books, like when like comics books are read by kids. But the thing is, those kids then grow up and they still have a taste for comics. And mm-hmm. I think the sort of reverse is happening a little bit. So I'm specifically thinking of uh, there's a Neil Gaiman book and movie uh, that I love called Coraline. You know I love you. Hmm. You have a very funny way of showing it. And Coraline is pure suspense. It is scary, but it is absolutely intended to be a children's movie and a children's book. But the thing about Neil Gaiman is he's a wonderful storyteller, and so he doesn't pull punches. And so he's trying to scare he's trying to scare the children that are reading the book while at the same time making sure that they feel this like deep connection to Coraline, the main character. And the people that she loves and the people that are populated in this little world that she lives in. And the movie did extremely well because the movie did well. The books did well. And it is one of these things where uh, parents who love horror movies were able to share with their children and be like, here, this is what it's like to be like spooked out and be scared. And uh, the kids were able to get a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can, I am like certainly plenty of like, there are mild versions of horror in uh, children's uh, literature and movies. I mean, I'm thinking uh, the goosebumps books. Did you guys read any of those? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like kids love to be scared, but they have limited, <laughs> they yeah. have limited sources to, to be scored. That's why I always loved books as a kid. Cause it was like, I would like read it and there'd be like sex or murder or like super violence in the book that I had just taken out from like my school library. And I was like, you people are letting me read this? Sweet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I remember Coraline was very successful in, uh, like making just like a terrifying villain in the, uh, in the button eyed mom. Right. I don't know if that's spoilers, but like, that was one of the most terrifying characters in all of fiction, let alone like children's exactly. movies. Like that was a terrifying monster. And so I, I love stuff like that where you, you work within the genre, but you have these, you have these like bumper rails on either side of, I'm going to tell mm. a horror story. And I, I personally think Neil Gaiman is one of the greatest storytellers of our generation. I have loved virtually everything that he's like put to pen, pen to paper on. Um, and so you read all the Sandman oh, comics. Of course. Those were really yes. good. Yeah. Um, and so, but the thing is, he doesn't work in one genre. He like he throws his uh, like basically whatever he's interested in at the time is what he's working on. And he decided he wanted a children's book. And that he wanted it to be scary, and he nailed it. He absolutely knocked it out of the park. And the adaptation, the animation was so, great, but like it was a book that was actually like transferred into a movie very, very well. I didn't know that was Neil Gaiman, actually. Yep. 
So uh, I might, I mean, I love Neil Gaiman, so I may actually be interested in checking that one out. But on a slightly tangential subject, um, since you sort of brought it up in a way, um, you know, worth mentioning, most of the, like, childhood fairy tales that we grew up with were originally definitely very dark sure. and terrifying stories. Uh, a lot of them came out of Germanic traditions, were collated by uh, by Jakob Grimm, who also is a very famous linguist. Uh, yeah. Conversation for another day. But anyway, so there are, like, o- you know, older versions of, like, all of those classic st- fairy tales, Snow White and, and uh, all of those ones that are... Dark oh, to sure. say the least. Well, it was it was meant worth it was meant to well. teach kids to not be little snot nosed little nuts <laughs> because if you think that the witch is going to eat you or you find out that like you know the mermaid killed herself at the end of the story, it gives you that harsh reality uh, in a consumable form of a story like. Everybody now is terrified that their kids are going to be traumatized, but, like, part of our storytelling tradition has been to terrify and traumatize children so they don't go out into the world and think that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Right, which, you know, a paradigm I would love to work on changing and flipping around, but, you know, let's not... (laughs) Maybe maybe focus on more like positive encouragement with children rather than just terrifying the <laughs> shit out of them. But there's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> which direction we are going. There's no knowing where we're rowing or which way the river's flowing. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a blowing? <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing! I mean, it just kind of feels well, like child abuse, to be well, honest. Yeah, what happens fair. to, I mean, maybe not the first, but like, what happens to these generations of kids who are growing up with unlimited, unfettered access to the internet now? And what are they seeing that yikes we didn't see when we were kids? That what do they have access to now? Well, you know, first of all, if you're so, if you're under a certain age and you've got unrestricted internet access like that's probably a problem right like you should probably be on like club penguin (laughs) or like the disney channel website like you you probably shouldn't be just like i just don't think that's very common just like unrestricted access to anything and i i am sorry to tell you but club penguin did get shut down ah that's a shame i actually i never actually no i think i think there are a lot of kids who have unfettered access to the internet and maybe it's not at home maybe it's a friend's house maybe it's a library maybe it's wherever maybe it's on their phone because kids have phones now apparently that's the thing i would just i would just suggest if you if you care a lot about your kids 
that you should limit their access anyway because it's very much like an addiction. If you grow up and you have just like that unrestricted uh, screen time, that unrestricted like you know internet mm-hmm. time, um, that can blossom into a full flown addiction. And I think I am living proof of that. Yeah. Uh, I asked Kate. I wanted to. Oh, Kate hey. likes horror movies more than me, so I wanted to see what her favorite <laughs> one was. I'm not sure I like horror movies more. I'm just. I feel like I'm more open <laughs> well, to them. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your favorites? So I um, I was definitely a scaredy cat growing up, but like I went to a sleepover in middle school and we watched like all of the Chucky movies. Oh, Child's yes. Play. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, Child's Play, and I um. I definitely say I have a soft spot in my a soft spot in my heart for those movies, but I can't say I've watched them recently. Um, I have to be in the right mindset to watch yeah, horror same. movies. I would say Halloween and like it. I never really got the gist of it, mm-hmm. but the whole chasing people around with a knife thing has some appeal. Well, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Ma- gore. Maybe I'm the villain. Maybe I'm the villain. In those do movies. do you funny. like gore? Yes or no? ability to live is what is at stake do you like blood and guts i'm not opposed to it i don't i don't i'm not opposed to blood and guts but i'd say i don't like watching movies where people are being dissected i like the saw movies those are a lot of those are interesting because i think of the puzzle i i appreciate a horror movie that has some sort of like detective work in mm-hmm. it. Interesting. I never saw them. <laughs> that was a good joke. I was going to try to make that I one. actually was... I was just reading like a countdown list of all of the obvious things in the Saw movies that you... Um, like if you watch the movies in sequential order, but there's all these hints as to what's going to happen in the movies. So technically that wouldn't be a horror movie because you wouldn't... You would know everything that's going to happen if you pay attention to the hints, but no one's ever paying attention to the hints anyways. So hmm. it's like an Easter egg novel where they have those they have those novels that like basically give you hints as to how the ending is going to turn out, but you don't pay attention to them because you're just reading the book. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's all. That's my two cents. Yes. Have a great night. Enjoy talking about horror. So I am a big fan of gore, and one of the most disturbing movies that I've ever seen was uh men behind the sun men behind the sun is a movie about uh like japanese uh internment camps in china okay during world war ii and they basically just like treated people like garbage there's an early scene where they're like training these young soldiers and they told them to uh, refer to the Chinese people that they came across as Maruka. Maruka is a type of fish, and it was to like depersonalize them in order to make it so that like abusing Chinese people was not the same as abusing a person. It was like abusing right. an object or like a fish. And they have a live dissection in that movie. Like it's so it's called what it's called is a vivisection because you're alive during the dissection. They have a cat being eaten alive by rats. And if I understand it correctly, I think that they actually killed a cat for that scene. It is by far the most disturbing movie that I've (laughs) ever seen in my life. 
And, like, if you're worried about animal cruelty in my description of that, that was very controversial. There are a lot of animal rights groups that were very upset at this movie for having been made. It seems like rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, so if you want probably the best gore I've ever seen, a, a really thoroughly disturbing experience, watch Men Behind the Sun. There's a, it's, a good, it's a good watch. There's a series that was always... <laughs> so in my elementary school... Uh, you know how, like, kids always, like, talk a big game about different stuff. In junior high, it's like, oh, yeah, I, no, I'm not a virgin. I've got a girlfriend in Canada or whatever. I dated this girl for a while, and she was really a nasty freak. She just loved to get down with sex all the time. She was, like, any time of day, she was like, yeah, let's go. I'm so nasty. And I'd be nailing her. She'd be like, oh, you're nailing me. Cool. Um, there were a series of movies that I have never seen, that I never plan on seeing, but apparently everybody else at my school had seen, even though they definitely had not, called Faces of Death. And Oh, yeah. And apparently, so again, have never seen them, but the idea behind Faces of Death was it wasn't like a narrative movie. It were There were these tapes, these collections of actual video of people dying in different horrific ways. And then you'd like have to call like a 900 number that you could find whatever. I'm sure in some like (laughs) horrible magazine somewhere or whatever and like order it for like 40, $50 or whatever. And then they would send it to you. Mm -hmm. So you could see your VHS tape of like a person being like splattered by a semi or something. But the thing is, it was like, One kid in my school had, like, heard of this series of movies and never seen it and then was just came to school the next day and, like, yeah, I watched watched a bunch of people die, uh, even though he definitely had not. (laughs) And then, like, every other kid was like, yeah, I watched it too. Like, everybody at my school had a copy of this VHS tape, even though they definitely didn't. None of them watched it? Oh. I don't think so. (laughs) Like, maybe... Maybe, but it definitely seemed like they were lying. It was just the messed up kid that watched it, or none of them. Well, it it would have been, like, in elementary school, it would have been, like, the little brother or little sister of the messed up kid. <laughs> it was right. like, hey, come watch this. This this, rac- this raccoon it- eats his balls, and then he dies. Oh, so from an infection. quick, quick uh correction the uh so like the reason that men behind the sun was significant is because it's actually a historical depiction of uh unit 731 which was like a real world war ii japanese unit in china and so they were recreating a lot of like the experiments like the same way that the like the nazis did experiments on prisoners uh the japanese inflicted on chinese and soviet prisoners that's that's why it was significant. Although, like, at the beginning of each uh, thing, Joe Rogan would come in and be like, And evidently fear is not a factor for you. Can you let this cat be eaten <laughs> by rats? Right, so it wasn't It wasn't just because they felt like... <laughs> it wasn't just because they felt like making this movie. Right, no, no. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've gone out of my way for gore for a while. There's places that you can find it. Um, there are... Uh, like websites that have 
the kind of gore that I've gone out of my way for for a while. Um, there's like ogrish.com. There's the YNC, uh, Live Link, World Star Hip Hop, Heavy R. Um, there are a lot of places. If what you like is explicit nasty stuff, um, there are definitely places to find it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's a this is different. <laughs> that's where you go to watch Al Gore. Oh, oh. have My intercourse. Oh. No, and like I remember when when I first Dude. started getting into Reddit, the whale. No, I don't know. I've been doing no. Reddit for seven, eight years or whatever. But like, watch people die was a really popular subreddit for a while, and it is exactly what it sounded like—just people uploading videos yeah. of people dying. And I did not seek it out, but <laughs> like I like I generally watch the all page, and every once in a while, one of those like watch people die videos got to the front page and. Oh boy, if you if you weren't paying attention, oh, rotten.com, rotten.com's mm. the other one. If you weren't paying attention to what <laughs> what the subreddit was that uh the link was coming from, you could see some really messed up stuff. <laughs> Andy seems to be enjoying this segment <laughs> tremendously. Well, let's <laughs> You want to visit rotten.com with me? <laughs> Andy, I don't. I don't even want to find out what that even is that you're talking about. You're listing off websites, and I'm fine <laughs> okay. with leaving let's, it. At that. All right, so let's wrap it up with let's talk about a, a few sort of classics in the genre and uh, see what people have to say about them. So uh, to be clear, I don't. I don't mean to like. I don't want to keep you guys from talking about <laughs> no, it. No, that's fine. I just noticed you uh, on the video yeah. feed that you looked very unhappy. Oh well, I mean, I just don't have anything. <laughs> um, some classics from the from the genre. I would love to hear what your so have uh, impressions of classics. Sure, are. let's uh, talk about Alien, shall we? Have Have you both seen Alien before? Love it. One of my one of my top all time favorites. I'm not sure if I the have first or not. One? So it's actually any of them, to be honest. I I know I've seen like bits and pieces, but I'm not 100 percent sure I've like. I don't. I, I certainly couldn't like relate any details about the the plots other than aliens come out of stomachs and eat people, but people shoot aliens. Oh, you should really you should really Sigourney watch Weaver the first lives. one because the first one is like unmitigated brilliant um, genius, and a lot of like there is definitely gore in that movie, but a big part of it is suspense. Like a big part of it is you like every. Every alien movie, with the ex- uh, uh, with the exception of some of the like more recent ones, is monster trapped in a tin can with humans and humans trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about suspense, but, and the aliens are always hidden until like they're not. But I would say the difference between right. the first one and where they really departed away from from that in the second, third, fourth, and all the other mm-hmm. movies is. That the first one is very confined, it's very claustrophobic, yeah. and the the people are completely powerless against this thing. Like, if, if you fight against it, it will melt a, a, a hole in the hull of your ship, yeah. and you'll all suffocate because all of your atmosphere will be gone. Like, there is absolutely nothing that they can do. They are completely powerless against this monster, and, like, that's... That's what makes the first one brilliant and actually fit into the horror genre to me. A lot of the later ones were just like campy, sort of like shoot 'em up, like a fun romp through space, and oh, we get to explode some aliens along the way. Like they they weren't dark 
in the way that the first one is just like dark. Ash, are you kidding? This thing bled acid. Who knows what it's going to do when it's dead? I think it's safe to assume it isn't a zombie. Yeah. All right. Why don't we move on to Jaws? <laughs> you see, you've so Jaws is fun. You seen Jaws, Andy? Yeah. It's it's an an important movie in. Yeah, it was like history. the first blockbuster. It was like the first. It established the summer blockbuster. It's and it was mildly enjoyable. And Richard Dreyfus is. I love Richard Dreyfus. Mr. Vaughn, what we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks, and that's all. Now, why don't you take a long, close look at this sign? Those proportions are correct. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't mildly enjoyable. It was fantastically over the top, wonderfully enjoyable. Um, having said that, it's another another one of those sure. movies where it's all suspense. Yeah. You barely see the shark the entire movie until the end. And even at the end, when they're fighting it, a lot, most of the time, you're not seeing the shark. You're seeing a barrel on top of the water. Yeah. You're seeing, like, a boat get pounded. So it, it is absolutely genius. So it was a brilliant piece of filmmaking, but I didn't, I didn't find it scary in the way that, like, horror movies are scary. It was more, like, it was fun it was a creature film it was all about this creature that they're hunting the whole time and like the set piece of the boat um but like you you never really felt like except for a a few select scenes you never really felt like the intense personal danger for the main character well and one of the absolutely fantastic things about the movie is that it got significantly better and suspenseful specifically because the Jaws puppet broke. <laughs> it was the shark was supposed to be in the movie way more, but it broke. And so they literally weren't able to use it. And so they had to like pick these very specific mm-hmm. scenes that they could like use later on in filming uh, originally, it was supposed to be in the movie way more, <laughs> way more, but they couldn't use it. And so they accidentally made this like masterpiece because they had to work with what they had. I guess that kind of links back Sorry. to Alien because like one of the brilliant things about Alien is that like nobody had ever seen that sort of like H.R. Geiger design before. And they only showed the movie. No. Uh, they only showed the Alien for like about five minutes of screen time throughout the whole movie. Like, you barely saw the alien, and that's what was so freaky about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think you're right that Jaws, like, kind of accidentally stumbled upon that formula of that, like, showing too much of the monster makes it sort of, like, normal, like, okay, where's the seams yeah, I... on the back of the costume. But your your mind does so much of the work of terrifying mm-hmm. you. Like, if you don't know what it is, the thing in your head that you think is going to come to get you is way worse than the thing that's actually going to come get you. Yeah. Whenever – and this is part of the reason why, like, 
I tend to scoff at, like, you know, the gore and the special effects and things like that. It has no inherent value because, um, I, <laughs> because I will lose my train of thought. Because you can look up, like, pimple-popping <laughs> videos of, like, medical surgeries and, like, medical mishaps online or, like, like gang no. violence and stuff. Cartel murders? No, um, because because what I can imagine is I don't need all of that stuff. All I need is for the the movie maker to to suggest it, and my mind is going to come up with something way more disturbing sure. than anything they mm. could possibly put on the screen. I don't, it, you know, you can't come up with, you can't possibly create an image that is more terrifying. Than the like infinite Mobius blob of terrifying that exists in my head that gets plugged in. Oh, I don't know. Have you ever seen like the back rooms or like liminal spaces? Those are freaking terrifying. Is it? Are those movies? No, they're like images and creepypastas on the web. So here's my argument against like I think it is fine to say like gore is not my cup of tea, and I think it's scarier. To not show the thing. Because I think that's that's fine and good and that is a, a valid opinion. Having said that, I mentioned earlier in the episode, my absolute favorite genre of horror movie is mm-hmm. zombie movies. And it's, sim- it's simply a genre that can't exist without gore. Romero was a genius when it came to creating these, these gore-filled films that also had suspense to them and they were it, it was like suspense 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 terrifying moments followed by fighting for your life and so have we all seen night of the living dead the original 1968 that's tough i think maybe nope it was it it is a film that holds up as a zombie movie to this day, like there's definitely some bad acting in that movie. Don't do not even begin to get me wrong. It is it is not great at a bunch of different places. But what it does is it works as a zombie movie on virtually every level that modern day zombie movies do. And you can see why there was a whole genre that built up because mm-hmm. of uh, this movie. Um. It's genius. 1968, it's black and white, and you are terrified with these people right alongside them. Um, it's absolutely If it's black great. and white, I'm fairly certain I haven't seen it. I might have seen the remake. Oh, and there's definitely plenty of other zombie movies out there, but this is the one that got them, like, that started all of them. Um, if we're talking classics, The Shining, have you guys ever seen that? Oh, sure. I've seen that in the last yeah, brilliant. month or so. Nope. Love that movie. Um, a, a really good character study yeah. in, like, cabin fever and just, like, putting that setting, mm. the hotel, like, front and center, making it just, like, feature prominently in the movie. Not, yeah, not it's just a as a set in the piece, movie. but also as, yeah, as a character and as a driving force in, like... Like we were saying before, like that psychological, like we can't trust uh, Jack anymore. Like Jack is starting to go off the deep end. Dad. Do you like this hotel? 
too. I love it. Don't you? I guess so. Good. I want you to like it here. read that not too long ago as well and uh boy howdy that is if you think the movie is scary like you can't get the book out of your head why do you have a copy of the shining in your freezer oh i was reading it last night and i got scared so <laughs> but uh you're safe from it if it's in the freezer well safer it is stephen king's very good yeah he, and he does a great job also it yes and I'm sure plenty of other, like, misery. There's just, like, so... Uh, Stephen King's just so prolific. Like, there's just tons and tons of Stephen King stuff out there. I haven't seen the new It, but uh, Tim Curry has a permanent spot in my head. He, like, lives rent-free in my brain all the time. <laughs> sure. As Pennywise. Just that, like, I watched that movie <laughs> when I was young. And, uh, whew. It it was it was great and awful at the same time. So anyway, we can we can keep doing this. Anything else? Like any other particular movies that people wanted to bring up? I mean, I know like Blair Witch Project uh, was a one that was terrifying to me, and again, one of those movies where it's pure suspense all the way through. They filmed it on like no budget, but I uh, was playing hooky from college that day. And I went to the movies to go see it, and it was like one of the only things I hadn't seen in the theater. So I was like, "Fine, I'll go. I'll go take a look." I was literally the only person in the theater when I was watching it, and it was absolutely terrifying. I like almost left, but I was like, "No, no, Nathan, you have to watch the whole thing." And uh, ooh, that uh, again, a movie that lives in my head. Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, it it was great. It was a uh, very innovative. Like, that we're going to do this all with, like, amateur camera footage, like, jumping up and down while we are filming. Right. <laughs> like, um, you know, and uh, they they really did terrify the actors and actresses. Um, they, like, you know, gave them very limited information as to, like, what they were doing. They were actually out in the woods and, like... I'm sure, like, hungry, like, thirsty, like, hadn't slept in however many, you know, hours or days. And just, like, um, you know, when you see that terror, like, they were really feeling that. Because there were actually people out in the woods, like, f***ing with them and, like, leaving out, <laughs> leaving out, like, little witch statues and stuff, so. Right. Slapping the sides of their tent at, in the middle of the night. Yeah, like, oh. So, so creepy. Anyway, we could, we could do this all day long. Um, ooh, ooh, l- all right. I swear to God, this is the last one. Um, have either of you guys seen Precious Moments? Ah. Precious Moments. Mm. No, I, I have not seen that one, but that would make a very terrifying title for a movie. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like, yeah, 
Is that a horror, though? <laughs> yeah, you hide it. You hide. I also like Cabin in the Woods. You hide it in that nice little Precious Moments title, so uh, it's like Frozen. Watch out for my butt! <laughs> like, they made a movie, it's not the animated Frozen, but it's about people getting stuck on a ski lift. And, uh, like, you, you give it that title so people will get confused and, like, send their kids to the theater and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you right. guys are just rolling with the joke just uh just keep going anyway it's precious moments we we got through it i'm sure we've terrified all of the audience the sorcerers out there <laughs> so who wants to go first i will go first i don't mind i have one <laughs> i have a few different like i feel like i am overflowing with precious moments right now but there is one that i wanted to talk about uh while we're recording this we the u.s has just finished uh, evacuating uh, from Afghanistan, and there are all kinds of problems with that, and I believe we're going to be doing <laughs> an episode about that in the future. But there was one group of people that I was particularly interested in. Uh, I had read about them, uh, I believe, towards the beginning of 2020. Uh, it is an uh, all-Afghan girls mm. robotics team. And they had worked together. It was it was a big deal that they were all girls. They had all come from Afghanistan, and they're all working in STEM. They're all doing these incredible things. I believe their average age was around 16 at the time. Well, um, when things started going south um, with the Afghanistan evacuations, there was – I had seen in – Rapid succession. One day there was a, um, I read an article about how they were trying to get out of the country, but not having any luck. And then the next day I read an article about how they had disappeared with no trace. And then hmm. about three days later, it turned out that some Americans they had worked with at an international robotics competition had been working behind the scenes to get them out of the country. And they were all successfully evacuated uh, without talking to anybody about it. There was no news about it until they were already successfully out of the country. And then the next day, there was an article about how all uh, 10 members of this robotics team have now been offered scholarships at uh, at various excellent universities nice. around the world and i love it it's like one of those things where i went from terrified for them to like heartbroken that they had disappeared to elated that they popped up and that they were safe to like like so happy that they have found this like passport to the next chapter in their lives and i'm very excited about it so that's my precious moment the uh, afghans all girls robotics team that is a feel-good story. Nice. I loved it. Very and nice. it was just, it was one of those things where it, like, rolled out perfectly for me, like, because I was, like, I was looking looking up, trying to find more information, and then I kept finding more information, like, day after day, and it was, it, I had a little, like, emotional roller coaster along with them, so it was nice. So I have a, I have a not-so-feel-good story. So <laughs> a judge in Ohio, in actually Butler County, which is right outside of Cincinnati, Cincinnati, right? Yeah, a place where I used to live. There is a judge there 
who has ordered a hospital to to treat COVID-19 patients with ivermectin. Ivermectin is a horse dewormer. It is an anti-parasite pill um, that the FDA has warned people, like, you know, in large amounts, this can be very dangerous to your health. And people have been, like, because of these QAnon conspiracies, as opposed to vaccinating or masking or social distancing or anything else, they have been recently treating themselves with ivermectin, which you can't even buy over-the-counter anymore uh, in most stores because, like, people have gotten wise to this and have put up signs like, you know, no (laughs) no over-the-counter ivermectin. (laughs) I've seen signs saying you have to have a photo of you with your horse. Yes, I love that. It's wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> because so, because people go walk around with pictures of them and their horse and they're pockets. so upset that the vaccine um, has not been tested enough and they don't know the long-term side effects that they've decided to inject themselves with horse dewormer so yeah yeah so this is a popular thing because of the QAnon uh line of information has this pipeline has fed them that ivermectin is an effective treatment to covid ridiculous contraption actually seems to work you you've surpassed yourself this time and now we have an ohio judge who thinks the same thing and is ordering a hospital just like if you want to talk about clown world like just like the absolute the judge insanity yeah to just i mean to 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 be totally like clear about it the judge's explanation was pretty opaque and really didn't say much of anything other than it's a doctor he can treat his patient how he wants um he gave zero opinion on whether he thought ivermectin was a good idea or not but um basically it came down to an issue of is a doctor allowed to provide any treatment for a patient (laughs) you know and I mean, kind of from a legal standpoint, like, all right, yeah, but here's where, and I warned you that this was going to happen if you brought this up, but here's where I kind of uh, am, like, there's this very fine line where I am right now, where I still recognize that these are human beings with with inherent, like, worth and dignity, right? Hey, I know that line. at the same time, I also recognize that if they are contributing to the gene pool, we are worse off for it um, <laughs> as a species. And that's not to say that they, like, I'm not saying that their right to contribute to the gene pool should be taken away, but I am saying that if their ability to do so were to be lost for one reason or another, whether it be like, I don't know, maybe ivermectin has a sterilization effect, hopefully, would be f***ing awesome. But, um, or if they just die. Dead people are pretty well sterilized. Right? Yeah. If they If they have to die for that to happen, like, we're better off for it. Ooh, hot take. And while I don't want to, like, push that 
boulder down the hill, I'm also f***ing sitting sipping lemonade at this point because <laughs> wow because that's well, they have because reality has been beating them over the head for months and months and months and they just continue to uh, to refuse to to live in real world. They are convinced that the only people in the world telling the truth is like half a dozen fucking YouTubers and radio hosts and shit. Like, I'm in Redditors or, or whatever it is. 4chan, 8chan, I don't know. It's all the same to me. I don't do those. Kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. It's, it's absolutely, it's so outrageously bonkers that like, oh, this little tiny dozen of people are the only people in the entire world who are telling you the truth and everyone else is straight up lying to you about literal, <laughs> like, I, you know what? I can't help you. If you are insisting on being that stupid, then I hope that you do it hard enough that you remove yourself from the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, Andy. Here's here's what I gotta ask. Here's my one question to you, okay? Yeah, let me catch my breath. How much ivermectin did you did you take, <laughs> dude? I'm worm free as a mofo, man. <laughs> free pill. You tell that slimy piece of worm ridden filth to get no such pleasure from us, right? Because I'm starting to worry about you, bud. If if it gets to be too much, we're going to have to take you to the emergency room. (laughs) Two things. Uh, I pretty much agree with Andy. I am not happy that anyone is dying, but also I'm past the point where I give a shit anymore. Like, I can't feel bad for you. We've gone some dark places in the horror episode. How bad am I going to... How bad do I feel for a guy who, like, runs full speed at the volcano and, like, jumps into it? All right, that was a choice you just made. But secondly, Donald J. Trump was at a rally the other day and told the yes. crowd to go yes. get vaccinated, and they booed they him. booed his ass. I do, Bree, you got to do what you have to do. But I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But you got, no, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms. But I happened to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know. Well, congrats to him. You know, I mean, better late than no, never. No, no, I mean, I, like, I guess. Way, way, no, who, no, apparently way not. Way better if he would have said that during his no, presidency. No, no, Pat. Like no. Before. You, you missed the part, I think, where they booed him because it's not better late than never. In fact, it's so late that it is it's the same as right. never. They are past him. They will throw mm. him overboard now. In favor of Q, because it was never really about him. We thought it was about him. It no. was never really about him. This cult has been since, Ray, like, before Reagan, really, too. But, like, <sighs> anyway. So you guys are giving him absolutely no credit for eventually saying the right thing? No, nothing. It just, like, I guess. Maybe, no. No, no, not at all. No credit well, at all. So okay. In fact, all I right. hope he gets, that's, I hope you know, he that's gets the fair. Delta variant. Here's, here's the last thing I'm going to say on it. The reason why he gets no credit is because... It's not just him. It's several different Republicans have started doing this now because they've realized that the only people who are dying are Republicans and that it's starting to affect them to the tune of the margin of victory in several states. (laughs) So they're literally – The Democrats have been really concerned about – that they're going to lose the House in the midterms and the Senate again. 
And, like, I think this is their path to victory is just let the Republicans kill themselves <laughs> with insane medicine. Ooh, hot take. This has got to be the darkest episode we have ever produced, and I speaking love of, it. <laughs> speaking of horror movies, whoever could have imagined a monster created by someone turning on them and them not be able to control that monster anymore? <laughs> Frankenstein's monster or, or Trumpenstein's Trump, Trump monster. Trump monster. <laughs> anyway, Andy, did you have a precious moment that's more precious than this very, very terrible moment that we so just much, had? So we've much we've more been places today. I feel like yeah. this was an experience. Yeah. So much more precious, though. I think it's a good one to actually end on here. I'm going to play a little nice. video for you of a. Uh, a town hall meeting. Andy always coming in with the AV club. Uh, where there is a nice, yeah, buddy. Um, in this town hall meeting, so one a person just finished speaking and is like going to sit down, and they're calling oh, up the next this speaker. Yeah, so here great. you go. I'm asking that you do not pass this policy in Virginia. Thank you so much, Ms. Thomas. We do appreciate you. Phil McCracken. <laughs> Phil McCracken. Sulk, Sook, Mahidik. He—he's actually Sugandis. He's got ligma. Ophelia McHawk. Ophelia McHawk. Eileen Dover. <laughs> Eileen Dover. Does he not realize at this point? <laughs> like Don Kitty. Maybe he's got to go through them anyway. Don Kitty. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. Wayne Kerr. <laughs> I think that's it the is. last one, Wayne Kerr. Yeah, that's the last oh, one. Oh boy, absolutely. That is classic. a classic. That is a classic oh. prank. Oh my God, Wayne Kerr, <laughs> and then he repeats every single one. I think he has to because, like, he he had to have realized at some point. I mean, and it's hard to tell because he's got his mask on. And yeah, you so can't, he can't tell really he's... get to see his facial expression. He definitely does a good oh, job of like keeping uh, keeping a straight face or straight eyes anyway. Well, and he he does a good job of like pronouncing it in as close to not <laughs> Wayne dirty sounding as possible. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, Don Kedick. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wonder if he is. I wonder if he is legally required to read those names. Like I don't know what what the context is, uh, but I'm sure I will do some sort of fact check here. He's I don't know. These are these are people gold. who have signed up to speak at a town hall right. meeting, and so like right, each person yeah. gets like two minutes. So they're like, you know, calling people's names <laughs> because they're supposedly out in the audience waiting for their two minutes that they're that they're you know entitled Fair to enough. at the town meeting. So he probably right. has to read them, but. You know, yeah, none of those, yeah. None of those people are real. Nice, <laughs> awesome. All right, well, that was that was enough. We absolutely didn't have. Yeah. Uh, no one can argue with that. We went. Uh, there were highs. There were lows. <laughs> and 
Caitlin made Most an Twitter should be pleased because four people voted for us to do it. Hey, congratulations to those of you who jumped in on Twitter. So thank you to those four apps. Uh, in the meantime, I will be working on uh, catchphrase, which I currently don't have. Uh, I need to come up with a catchphrase, one could say. There it is. There it is. Uh, hopefully we give you something to think about this week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Also, thank you, special thank you to Caitlin for making an appearance. Yeah, thank you, Caitlin, for coming by. Second wife to appear on the podcast, and the first one was also Sarah making comments about movies. Or wasn't also Sarah? Was Sarah making also making comments about movies? And my wife won't be making an appearance because I don't have one. Ooh, self burn. Those are rare. I hope we didn't scare you too bad. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, no, anyway, uh, yeah, check us out on Facebook, uh, how about Twitter, how about Patreon, there's all kinds of ways you can interact with us, we would love to hear from you, as always, we love you, and, uh, we'll see you soon. (laughs) Yeah, could you bring your, your waifu pillow on the podcast? Um, I would have to get one, but yeah, like, absolutely. What do you guys think? Um, you should go. I get, uh, mm-hmm. Sailor Moon or like, uh, Rainbow Dash? <laughs> I, I really like the neckbeard pillow. Yeah, the neckbeard. I was about to mention they have the neckbeard oh, pillows. No. Oh my God. And they actually make them like in sexy poses. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> awesome. He's got like a little bit of hip showing. He's like got the arm up uh, above the head, you know, leaning back. <laughs>